brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by informed millennial and Gen Xer types from a left-wing perspective. It is Saturday, June fifteenth, two thousand nineteen. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. Lots to talk about today. It's um, Denver Pride. It is Denver Pride. Yes. Um, there's a lot that's been happening in the news. A lot of opinion stuff. A lot of stuff not in the news that should be in the news. Yep. And um, we also might tease today a new podcast that we're working yes. on. Yes. But uh, in the meantime, uh, where do you want to start? Oh, um, I guess since it's Denver Pride, um, I'd like to start with the beautiful and glorious uh, intersectional feminist post from the young woman who was attacked um, on the double-decker bus in the UK last week that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Do you um, want to, let's just read it. Yeah, I just want to read the whole thing. I think it was so beautifully written and so important. Um, and I just love her so much. For so just to refresh this. your memory, if you don't know what we're talking about, about a week ago, uh, photos surfaced of these two young w- women on a bus in London who were on a date with their faces bloodied because a gang of young hooligans basically was like, oh, you two are on a date, you should make out for us. And they said no, and then they got beat up. Right. Um, And so as traumatic as that obviously must have been, it also, um, as to her point points out, there's a lot to say about how the media reacted, how uh, people reacted. Um, Social media. Yeah. And and so here's here's what she has to say. Um, I think her name has been withheld. So anyway. The title of the article is, You Saw Me Covered in Blood on a Bus, But Do You Get Outraged About All Homophobia? On June 7th, characters from distant chapters of my life decided that my sudden trajectory into the headlines was an opportune time to reintroduce themselves, sending a torrent of misguided good vibes alongside the picture asking, Had I seen it? Had I seen it? Had I seen it? Of course I had, as soon as it was taken. I was weeping bitterly, head ringing in pain as I sat next to my lovely date, Dr. Melania Gaimanot, who was calmer than I, but dripping blood down her shirt front. We photographed the trail of blood down the bus, ending at our still bleeding faces as we awaited the police. I watched in real time as our faces, white, feminine, draped in pretty hair, circulated on every continent. Melania protected my name and information because I'm a private individual without an online presence. I guffawed the first time I read the not-quite-accurate, titillating headline, Lesbians Beaten for Refusing to Kiss. For starters, I'm bisexual, but I guess that's beside the point. My memories of the fight are addled by adrenaline. Maddeningly, I don't remember exactly how it started. My persisting anger is directed not toward the idiots on the bus, but the reduction of my battered face to cheap clickbait. For several days, a graphic triggering photo of our bloody faces satisfied voyeurs and enriched companies whose values counter my own, such as News Corp and Sinclair Broadcast Group. Many of the outlets publishing my face without permission endorse racist, misogynist, and xenophobic platforms and politicians. One world leader on her last day in office concluded a long career voting in favor of anti-gay, racist, colonial policies by expressing her condolences to us. We were Instagrammed by celebrities vacously retweeted by politicians, itemized on a BuzzFeed listicle. Despite so much inane coverage, Melania energetically leveraged her platform to highlight the misogyny embedded in the violence and in today's hate crimes. She has inspired queers everywhere to share their own stories of abuse. 
A refrain I've heard ad nauseum is, I can't believe this happened. It's 2019. I disagree. This attack and the ensuing media circus are par for the course in 2019. In both my native United States and here in the United Kingdom, it has always been and still is open season on the bodies of, in no specific order, people of color, indigenous people, transgender people, disabled people, queer people, poor people, women, and migrants. I have evaded much of the violence and oppression imposed on so many others by our capitalist, white supremacist, patriarchal system because of the privileges I enjoy by dint of my race, health, education, and conventional gender presentation. That has nothing to do with the merit of my character. The press coverage and timely law enforcement response was not coincidental to our complexions. Neither was the disproportionate online reaction over the victimization of a pretty brunette and blonde. The commodification and exploitation of my face came at the expense of other victims whose constant persecution apparently does not warrant similar moral outrage. Make the extraordinary reaction to our attack the norm. I beg you to amplify and channel this energy to hold accountable the intersecting web of elected politicians, government agencies, and corporations who have reinforced a status quo of clearly delineated inequality long before this single attack in 2019. Redirect your money from rainbow capitalism to people of color-led organizations striving for justice. I donated to the Estrella Lesbian Foundation for Justice, Trans Women of Color Collective, and Transgender Legal Defense and Education Fund. Question why the photo of two attractive white cisgender women compelled you to post about pride for the first time. Learn the names of Malaysia Booker, Dana Martin, Chanel Skurlock. Elevate those who've been advocating for the basic rights and safety of communities marginalized by our existing political, economic, and social structures long before I got punched in the face. Finding the right leaders takes some research and real-world activity. Their frequent absence from today's headlines is not coincidental to their crusades. Stands up, stand up for yourselves and each other and fight back. So... Yes, all of that. Well, it, so many things struck me about that. You know, when I, I read it last night, I got very excited and texted you about 85 times. Because <laughs> I was basically like your voice channeled to this woman's body. But um, it's pretty amazing because this poor woman, she didn't have to say anything and she didn't have to be an activist she didn't have to be super intersectional she she just could have been a person trying to go about her life happen happening to be on a date with another woman and experiencing a trauma experiencing trauma and it wouldn't have changed the fact that we want to advocate for her and we were outraged but it just so happens that this was a very articulate thoughtful um intersectional, intersectional radical person yeah who was pretty amazing who was outraged by the attention that she garnered when it's barely a blip in the media when a transgender woman of color is murdered as has happened so many times already this year well here in denver a couple weeks ago uh, a trans woman a hispanic trans woman was beaten very severely yeah and and had may have lasting brain damage and that is much more that didn't go viral, as no, they say. No, it, ba it barely made a blip here in Denver. Like, yeah. you and I, I think, put it on our Facebook pages, and that was kind of it. No one even really talked about it, to, to her point exactly. Right. Right. 
And to her point exactly, we did talk about her last week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's got a point. I think we try to do a job of, of talking about the stories of, of trans women and, and people who are not pretty and white who are assaulted and who have hate crimes committed against them. And well, too often, in, you know, in our defense, we, we don't hear about it. We don't have a police scanner. We're not journalists. We're not, we don't have our ear to the ground for the latest stories. We're going to absorb what is kind of out there in the, in the media. Yeah. And, you know, there is a lot of stuff that goes under the radar. Uh, you you send me a lot of great stuff from The Root yes. about police brutality that people yes. will never hear about. Yep. And, you know, a lot of times local news, uh, those that left that aren't, you know, Sinclair nightmares, uh, are, are going to pick up on local stories and the, the national wires are just not going to pick them up for whatever reason. And, you know, we, we do our best job to keep aware of all this, but, you know. Well, and... T- for whatever reason, I think is a, an interesting thing to explore. And I think the reason that we stopped noting every time a young black man is murdered by police who's unarmed, every time a trans woman of color is beaten or murdered, is because it is so common Yeah, that we've become numb to it. And the news doesn't see someone like that you know, it, it bleeds, it leads, except it doesn't. It, no, bleeds, it bleeds, it leads if it's pretty white girls on yeah, a bus. Yeah, it exactly. bleeds, it leads, it doesn't if it's a trans woman of color or a, a black person generally or um, anyone who's not a pretty white woman who's been victimized. Well, that's been the case for so long. You remember back in 2005, the, the girl from Alabama who went missing in Aruba. And yes. everybody lost. I mean, Fox News, you think Fox News was crazy now. Like back then, they, they just decided, who cares about politics anymore? This is the 24-7. Oh, God, what was her name? Nancy Natalie. Grace. It was the one who was obsessed about it. And well, I don't the, remember the, whole the, channel, the woman's name. Natalie but, something, I yeah. think. They were just so obsessed because it was a pretty young white girl who went missing on this island that was full of mostly black people. Right. Now, it turns out it was a white guy who murdered her. Yep. But, you know, at the time they didn't know that and they figured it was local. And one of the suspects was like an Arab guy and like, oh, boy, oh my was this God. catnip right. for Fox News. And the country was just enraptured by this. And it was even striking to me at the time. Like, look, women get exploited and go missing and disappear every day. All the time. All the time. All the time. And uh, but, you know, if it's pretty and white, oh, boy, does that sell? Does that garner clicks? Does that sell newspapers? I yeah. guess back when newspapers were sold, um, does that get eyeballs on your TV and prop up the ratings? And, you know, sadly, this was a part of it. Now, part of it is happenstance that those photos of these women's bloody faces were really striking. Uh, I mean, it's just so shocking. And, and like, right. had, they, had they been women of color, uh, not the same effect, but, you know, like, it just happened to be... It was a pretty amazing. Now, look, maybe the media wouldn't have cared as much if it was two, you know, black women on a bus whose faces. Well, they would have been asking very different questions. Yeah. What did they do? What were they wearing? Did they provoke them? Did they provoke them? Were they being sassy? (laughs) Were they talking back? Right. Right. All that, right? Would have been the narrative um, that we aren't having around these two white women. There's some of that even with these two because I've read some of the social media stuff and you got the guys on Twitter. Well, you shouldn't have. You know, right away, you should have done this or you should have done that or you shouldn't have been nice or you should have been nicer. And, you know, because <laughs> there's always some magical rule book as right. women that you're supposed to 
follow to not be raped or attacked or murdered. And if you don't follow that, it's somehow your fault. You're somehow a little bit culpable. And there's so many contradictions in that playbook. Right? Oh, obviously, right? Um, there's no perfect way to not get murdered, as it turns out. Um, yeah, and that doesn't make what happened to them any less horrific um, than it is. It is. And I think in, in two, part of it is that Queer women are often objectified, as all women are, right? Um, trans women, cis women, queer women, all women are still subject to the male gaze. Queer women, though, when you are signaling your queerness, right, to the world by holding hands or you're saying, even though we look like straight girls, we're actually on a date, it incites this particular kind of male violence that is... Um, that I think we talked about last week, which is like, you're supposed to be for me and you're signaling that you're not for me and that makes me mad. So if you're not for me, then at least do something for me, which mm. is I want to watch you make out. <laughs> I want you to be for me still, even though you're signaling in whatever way that you're not. Right. And so, and that's a thing, right? I mean, that's definitely a thing that I've experienced. That is a thing that every woman that I know, especially femme presenting women know, like it's expected. Um, and I think for me, that was part of why it hit a chord because it was like, Oh, that thing, God. And then they actually got attacked for it. Like, ugh, because that's the fear, right? Like that's the, that's the thing that you just hope you can de-escalate, 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 or remove yourself. Which is what enough. she tried to do. And well, and and I think importantly, she's reading when she said, "I maddeningly, I don't remember," and I, I know that feeling very well. Yeah. I don't remember because of a head injury, and also because I don't remember exactly what happened. I can't tell you exactly what, happened. and that's so frustrating, right? It's true. I think one of the witnesses said, like, at first they tried to be friendly, they tried to play it off. Mm-hmm. They tried to joke around, and but then they, they behaved got, in the way that cis women have been taught yes, to behave for yes. their entire lives. But then the the hooligans wouldn't back down, and then it escalated to the point of violence. Right, and I think she's right that the police response is not, you know, separate from her complexion, their complexions, um, their gender presentation, um, their standard sort of mainstream view of what a pretty woman is I think um and that's hard too like and that's so true you get a pretty white woman who gets hurt and the fucking world melts down and then you get literally any other presentation of woman and it's sort of like mm, most of the time yeah so anyway I just really appreciated um her doing that and and speaking out in this way that was so um, compassionate for other people who have experienced what she experienced and far worse um, and who did not get the same sort of um, condolences and response that she got that she yeah. clearly didn't also want. And I hope it understand. gets through to some people. Now, it was, it's not going to get through to everybody. Like Marge in Des Moines, who you know generally doesn't really care but saw these photos and were very offended. And, oh, that's just terrible. If she happens to read this article, it's going to be like reading Mandarin Chinese. She's Correct. not going to understand. She's going to be like, I don't understand what you're upset about. Yeah. I don't know what any of this means. Right. Even. And I'm certainly not going to look up these names that you, you know. Right. But, you know, if a few do, then that's something. Right. Right. And it's a way as a white woman to say, 
something that we're always yelling and screaming about, right? Mm-hmm. We need to be better. We need to do better. Yep. And we need to use our privilege um, to help those who don't have as much as we have. And even in the face of this trauma and this violence that occurred, um, that happened to her, was inflicted upon her, she chose to use the moments after that too. Yeah. to do just that yeah. and, and that's, and this that's person exactly did. what we're asking and she, she was given a platform and a pulpit that she, she never sure wanted didn't ask for. and she didn't ask for but she's like well I have it so let's talk right you want to hear from me here's what I have to say right and it may not this be the is not about me thought. yep and yep. what a what a wonderful thing to say yes and, and, and I, I think most people won't know what to do with that right you know And most people who, most of these news outlets that reported on her being attacked are certainly not going to try to break down her message here. Right. You know, they may, they'll follow up when the the hooligans get sentenced or, you know, go to court or whatever. And that'll kind of be that. And I hope at that point she speaks up about restorative justice and the problems in the criminal justice system. And, you know, maybe it's not up yeah, to her I, to do that. But, no, like, like, that, that could should be, be it. the She's continuing like, I said my thing, now leave me alone. She has a life to get back to. So. But that could be – then the rest of us, I think, should have that yeah, conversation yeah. when that happens. Um, but anyway, that, that that's my – not a super happy start to Pride, but I was just so – I was really delighted. And um, I just really appreciated that, that that's what she had to say. And I – just wanted to share that because I think that's right. Okay. All right. Well, uh, this coming, uh, well, the week after this week, about 11, 12 days, we have our first Democratic debates. Yes. Uh, and first, what I would like to do is play a little game. Okay. Um, first, I am going to read to you names from the first night. And we're going to do like a little just simple word association. We're going to basically test our knowledge of how much we, we both know about all the Democratic candidates. Okay, because they split it into two nights, They split right? it into two nights. 11 days from now, the first night will be like half of them. And then the next night will be the other half. And I still am suspicious about how these things got split up and we can talk about that after we do this but let's let's do this game well the game we're gonna do and and and, and i will take the more uh esoteric <laughs> group i don't know if that's the right word but the more the group of maybe with more lesser known folks and you're gonna read me each name and i'm going to give you just very basic like a sentence or two about what i know about them okay it's really simple it can be like where they're from, a part of their platform, what they're known for, just something like that. So you'll read me the first night names, and I'll do that, and then I'll read you the second night names. And don't take any time. If you don't know, just pass. The whole point of this is, like, we are the knowledgeable folks out there, and we're going to see what we know. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) And then we should do this with Josh. Oh, my God. It would be so fun. (laughs) (laughs) Who? Who? What? What? Who's that? I don't Who? know. Well, who's that? Never uh, heard of him. Okay, so you go. First night. Let's go. <coughs> Hit me All right. with it. Okay. Cory Booker. Cory Booker from New Jersey. Progressive guy. Been grooming him for years. Isn't doing so great right now. In the polls. Julian Castro. Julian Castro, former mayor of San Antonio. Serves in Congress with his twin brother. Very progressive. Up and comer. Made an impression at the 2008 DNC. Bill de Blasio. <laughs> Bill de, the much reviled mayor of New York City who can't get the fucking MTA working and then everybody, even Democrats, hate him and I, nobody knows why he's running. 
John Delaney. I legit have no idea who this is. John Delaney, a centrist warrior who's speaking out on the ills of the party going too far to the left, and <coughs> he's in the de Blasio camp. Nobody knows why he's running, and nobody gives oh, a shit. I, I've never, literally never heard of him. I, I don't even remember where he's from. Ohio? Oh, God. Okay, Tulsi Gabbard. Here's a good one. A nutcase from Hawaii who is sweet on the Syrian dictator for some reason. Bashar and she Al-Assad. hates the gays. And she hates the gays. And the Bernie people love, love her. Her, but not for as much as reason. him, I guess. Uh, Jay Inslee. Inslee, uh, governor of Washington, super uh, um, aggressive on climate change. Um, Amy Klobuchar. Uh, Klobuchar from Minnesota. Uh, really a real C word to her uh, subordinates, apparently. <laughs> That's that's it. That's kind of what all you I got, got on Amy Klobuchar. Yeah. Okay, it's maybe a little sexist. But I'm right. sorry. That's the first that we're doing the game. First thing. Uh, Beto O'Rourke. Beto almost beat Ted Cruz. Should be running for the friggin' Senate again instead of president. From Texas. From Texas. Tim Ryan. I don't know who this is either. Uh, Tim Ryan's interesting. He is a blue collar guy from Youngstown, Ohio. He's very much into the bringing the manufacturing back or helping the oh Rust Belt people oh and. He tried to unseat Nancy Pelosi for speaker. Uh, he, he's all right. He's he's a guy I hope that once he is obvious he has no chance to run for president, like convinces all the blue-collar, hard-hat-wearing white people to So not. he's like a VP choice. Potentially, yeah. Okay. I think I think he's in it to be a VP choice, much like um, Castro and some others. Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren is my new favorite. Me too. Uh, of course, from Massachusetts, rising in the polls. She's got a plan for everything. She's... Very big on plan. actual written policy. And that uh, she's getting attention now. And people don't like that because that reminds them too much of Hillary Clinton. <laughs> she's a much she's much better at, at everything. At getting her point across and explaining her plans than Hillary. And way less baggage. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So that's night one. That's right. what well, we need to talk about what I that's did pretty gonna, well, I thought. You did really good. Okay. I didn't know who two of those people were, so let's go. All right. Michael Bennett. Oh, God. Senator from my home state, Colorado. Really boring white guy. Uh, <laughs> only reason he's running for president is he got had a real mad on the Senate floor for the first time. And I think he's been in office for eight, ten years now. And I've never heard from him. And he embarrassed him. And he, yeah. he got really upset and, and said a thing that Lawrence O'Donnell liked. So he decided to run for president. Um, That's enough. Yeah. Joseph R. Biden Jr. Oh, God. Former <laughs> vice president of Barack Obama who just likes... To talk about women in ways that make me really uncomfortable. Yeah, I'll get to something about that oh, yeah. in a second. Oh, yeah, me too. Pete Buttigieg. Ah, Mayor Pete from South Bend, Indiana. Rising star in the polls. Uh, gay. Um, first, I think first openly gay person to run for president of the Democratic Party, as far as I know. Um, calm. Uh, smart. Doesn't seem to have an actual plan for anything. <laughs> Kristen Gillibrand. Kirsten Gillibrand from New York took uh-huh. Hillary Clinton's Senate seat. Mm-hmm. Um, she, uh, the white lady, <laughs> yeah. she, I liked her in the Senate. That's I think sexist, she should kind of stay in the Senate yeah. and continue her work on um, the sexual assault stuff that she was doing about colleges and the military. That's when I liked her best. I don't think she should run for president. Yeah. Kamala Harris. Oh, Kamala Harris, yeah, former prosecutor of mm-hmm. California, um, with a record that 
hurts me, um, but is also the only woman of color that is running for president. I guess Tulsi Gabbard is also, but... Um, and she's rising in the polls, and that's no, she's flat good. in the polls. Like, like, but she's still in the top four consistently. Yeah. Um, and I think that's fine. And if she wins, I'll vote for her. But I don't like voting for prosecutors. I don't like prosecutors just generally. John Hickenlooper. Oh God. <laughs> Both of the white guys from Colorado made it to the debate stage, and Yay. I'm from Colorado, and I forget they're running. He's a former governor. I wish they weren't. Uh, real. I don't. I have no idea, literally, what his stance on anything is other than he's like socialism is not the way for forward for america that's so about he's, it it's he's just sort of like i don't i left. think this is a bit too much now here and he's a former like he likes beer and that's he's big on quote working across the aisle as if that yeah, was a as thing if that's that, a thing anymore stop just stop running anyway ugh. bernie don't, sanders nope pass <laughs> <laughs> who's this guy <laughs> about him now come on you got to give a sentence or two I do like him intensely. <laughs> he is garbage. I hate him and his supporters, and they're mostly young white dudes who hate women and minorities. Uh, but he's like a socialist, I guess, and he like wants to do a lot of things for, for white people without acknowledging that black people also have those things, but it's also harder. Eric Swalwell. I don't. Oh, mm, isn't he from California? He's literally on MSNBC every night. Yeah, he's like a congressman, I think, from California. Am I right about that? And yes. he he's real big. Oh, I know. He's really big on the Russia, Bernie, Russia thing. He's Russia thing is his thing, right? He is a former prosecutor, oh, so Rachel yeah, no. Maddow has a straight crush on him. And uh. all the other former prosecutors, the parade of former prosecutors that she has on every night. Yeah, no, thank you. My Mer favorite comedian met him at a fundraiser and thought he was lovely, but she's also oh. obsessed with Russia and Bernie, so <laughs> Marianne Williamson. Oh, this is a good one. You didn't know who she was. No, I didn't. This okay. would have been a good one for me. I will tell you a little bit about her. Um, she is this um, self-help guru, spiritualist lady from the 90s that wrote a bunch of books. I could read you some quotes from her that you'd be like, oh, she said that? Um, huh. She's this very wah-wah-woo lady that's very into like crystals and well no it's not at all okay, very much right. like you have to have self-confidence and you know don't be afraid of the she, light inside she, of you she doesn't sell dream catchers on her no website. no no <laughs> not like that she's very like okay. oprah loves her like okay. they, she was like oprah's spiritual mentor for a while believes in miracles um oh. but like well it'll be a miracle if she makes she it. also is fucking kind of rad Okay. I'm, she has no chance of winning. She shouldn't be running. All of that, and I read through her page yesterday, and like, she is more radical in some cases than any other candidate on that stage in her policies because she doesn't know how politics works, <laughs> and so she thinks she can just be like, we have to grapple with racism at its center as a moral failure of our country, and mm -hmm. so I think we should give black people five hundred billion dollars because they didn't get their forty acres and a mule. And that me. will be a thing. And I'm like, wow, that's not how politics works, but I kind of love it. <laughs> um, and then, like, money's no object. Kids, there's a moral failing of kids in this country. No child should ever starve. It is an absolute 
as as a country we are neglecting children and neglecting children is a crime and so well, I'm glad she made the debate stage then I yeah no I mean like I don't disagree with her time. on anything and I kind of love that she's just like I don't really know how budgets work so <laughs> I'm proposing 500 billion dollars for everything well, because you know, we need to fix this country and I'm list, like I kind would, of agree our list would tell you we have a fiat currency and it's fine and I mean I don't disagree with her that. on literally anything she calls herself a bitch for God which I'm not in God I don't really know I don't really know She's a weirdo, right? Like she definitely is. <laughs> well, but I'm looking, like, I'm looking forward to her on the but like, stage a lot. I don't know. Though, based on what you're telling she's me, she's kind of nuts and like has really good ideas. Okay. So that's Marianne. Williams. My mom read all of her books. Tulsi Gabbard, who's nuts and has bad ideas. Yes, exactly. Uh, and last but not least, Andrew Yang. Oh yeah, he's the um, guy who thinks we should have. He's like robots are going to take over all the jobs. He's we should have a standard, right. right? I mean, I don't disagree with him either. He, we should have a, like a living standard. What do they call it? Living wage? No. A, um, um, uh, a thing where everybody makes a certain amount of money automatically. What's that called? Gu- guaranteed income. Guaranteed basic income. Right? And guaranteed minimum income. And he wants to abolish all student loan debt, I think. Yes. Because and it's he, literally crippling the economy. very anti-circumcision. I think I think his that's thing. right also. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> I don't have a super strong opinion about that. Some you, of my you more you don't have skin in the game, intersectional so feminist friends do have a very strong opinion and agree with him that okay. it is a form of genital mutilation that should not be performed. I have also people that work in public health who would argue that circumcision um, greatly reduces the transmission of HIV AIDS. It does. So and I... And other STDs. I... I'm glad that I am... Well, that you, more right. information than you all needed to know, but I'm glad my parents did not subscribe to Andrew Yang's theory. So right. I'll just say that. So I don't... I really don't have an opinion. Uh, I like the reduction of the transmission of HIV AIDS, and I dislike genital mutilation. So... It's a hard topic for me, but I also am I'm not the expert here. Nice pun there. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. You don't have skin in the game and it's a hard topic is what you're trying to say. <laughs> what you're trying to say. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not the we're expert. We're very, very mature. Here. Yes. Okay. So uh, we did pretty well. Yeah. And we, we didn't blank on anybody, which is kind of surprising. The first on your round, I didn't know two of them. Oh, you didn't know Tim Ryan. Uh, and who else did John you know? Delaney. Don't know that guy. Uh, yeah, well, you're not missing much. Right. Well, I like Tim Ryan is okay. Uh, Delaney's terrible. But anyway, uh, let's talk about how they chose. The, you might be saying, like, well, why is it these people? Why is it two nights? Okay, the threshold was you had to have 65,000 individual donors of at least a dollar, and you had to pull at least 1% on an average of certain polls. I think that was the criteria, right? Yes. Did anyone not make the debate stage is my question. Oh, yeah, lots of people didn't. Who? Um, Messam didn't. I don't know who that is. The mayor from Miramar, Florida. Oh, yeah. Right, right. Um, uh, <laughs> Mike Gravel didn't. Or Mike Gravel, the ghost of Mike Gravel right, didn't. Right, the shadow campaign of Mike Gravel. Um, oh, that kind of sucks. I kind of loved that story. But yeah, anyway. yeah. Uh, there's a couple I don't need a doddering old man. Or I have enough of those up there. There's a couple more that Seth Moulton didn't. Who's that? A Massachusetts guy who doesn't mm. like Pelosi. and. Mm. Um, there's a couple more that didn't, but in any event, these were the ones that did. And I gotta say, I'm surprised about Marianne Williamson other than white women of my mother's generation. There's at least 65,000 of them that would have given her a dollar. I mean, for sure. Well, right. That's why she made the debate Like Oprah watchers. 
Like they heard, I'm that sure that demographic love her. I'm sure she's got ten times that much on her like email list. And she said, not an email. She said, I'm running for president. Donate at least a dollar, and I'll get on the debate stage. And she probably got way more than that. So. Yeah, good for her. Yeah, uh, yeah. She's kind of the, one of the more interesting ones. Now that you mentioned, I mean, it. people are talking about her like she's just such a fucking joke, and like that's sort of true because she's literally like writes self help books and talks about miracles and shit like that and i get that but go to her website and read her shit i'm like i don't know it's kind of i love it i don't know that any of it's practical and i don't think she has any chance of winning but i'm sort of like yeah we should do all that you know do all of that i i i want to semi apologize on ab klobuchar but really that's not the reason that the first thing that comes to mind is the stories of her being a horrible boss which she's more or less cop to um it's that working for a horrible boss sucks. Yes. I mean, it's what it's what drove me out of basically the nine to five office world was working yeah. for one horrible boss is too many. It's like, I, I'm just not going to do this anymore. Right. And it does matter. It, oh, it absolutely does. It doesn't mean she couldn't be an effective president, but like. But it, we've talked about this before. I don't know that that's true. If you cannot keep really, really good people around you because you're yeah. such an asshole, regardless of your gender, um, then I don't know that you can be a really effective president, as we are seeing with the current president, although that's for a lot, a large number of reasons. But also the people that are still around him are pretty much the bottom of the barrel worst <laughs> people that exist. So and we're going to get to all that um, in the second half. But I do think that's a thing. I think the way that you treat your employees speaks about your character, speaks about how you think about labor and how you think about hierarchy, um, how you think about, you know, staffers versus like I work for attorneys, right? And there's this thing in law firms where it's like attorneys and staff and attorneys are people and staff are not. And if she's treating her staffers that way, then that's a thing that I take offense to. And so I don't, I, I think it speaks to who you are as a person when you treat employees and people that you uh, pay for their labor to yeah. help you. Um, if you treat them really badly, I think it speaks to who you are as a person. So this coming Wednesday and Thursday are the two debates. I like that they didn't do what the Republicans did and do a, did a kids table that no one's going to watch. Yes. And then a grown ups table. Right. They, like just they mixed it up. They threw apparently they threw everybody's hat into a bowl. Well, I don't think that's actually what happened. I think that's bullshit. I think it was very well, carefully talk, decided. But let, let's talk about this a little bit then, because you there's two schools of thought on Elizabeth Warren's bracket. Uh, I happen to think she got a great bracket with a lot of lightweights. And I think she was kept out of the debate that most people are going to watch. Oh, I think everybody's going to watch both. And if that's the, the I don't think so. I think you got Biden, Buttigieg, Harris and Sanders in one debate, which is the top four. And that's who everybody wants to pick from. And then you have nobody cares about any of these people. Beto, and Elizabeth Beto Warren. and Liz Warren, basically. And Cory Booker. Maybe mm. if you're me, you care about that. I think she got robbed. I think, but then it would look like a kid's table. And so who yeah. did they sacrifice? Liz Warren. I, no, see, I disagree. I, I don't think you would, per, you would want, you want, look, if you're a network of the party, you want eye, all the eyeballs both nights. You don't want them just one Well, I'm not night. talking, this is not decided by the networks. This is decided by the DNC. Well, I, same thing. I, I don't think you would want it that way. I think that it's luck of the draw. It doesn't make sense otherwise. No way. It's not luck of the draw. I've, that's nonsense. Nothing Nothing we do is luck of the draw. Nothing. Um, they decided it this way, and, you know, I think it'll be good to see her 
I think a lot of the people that are with her, uh, yeah, no, I think she, I think she'll shine, but like it won't matter because we don't get to see her talk to the people who are beating her right now for yeah. no reason, right? Well, I'm, uh, like it sucks, but at, and also I think putting her, I think putting her on the stage with Bernie Sanders is vital. Yeah. It's essential that the two of them stand up there together and talk because they are the two most progressive, less leftist sort of socialist candidates that the party has. Um, they come from that same, at least the public perception is that they come from that, the same sort of cloth and having them not on the same stage at the same time, I think is a disservice to everyone in particular to people who support her because yeah. she, can I opine on something real quick? I, I think debates matter much less than we give them credence for. I know you and I disagree on this. Uh, well, I think it's really important for unknown people. Certainly. Um, I, I, I think, I don't know that it does a whole lot for the, the top of the class anyway, but you know, it, it's a chance for a lot of people who don't, don't know who, who Pete Buttigieg is or, William I Castro. I think it's important because people who right now are being polled who want Joe Biden to be the Democratic candidate, mm -hmm. I think it's really because they just don't really know any of the other people and he has sunglasses and loves Obama. Um, I think it's really important because they need to see him talk and have other people talk at the same time and go, oh, that guy. Uh, well, I think uh, all he's uh, going to do is trash Trump. And maybe throw in a little bit of, you know, a work across the aisle bullshit in there. And um, this is a real chance for Elizabeth Warren to shine with everybody saying, you know, speaking in these glib generalities and her saying, I have a plan for this. I have a plan for that. Try to go into some of the details. That's another problem. You got 10 people on a stage for a, what, a two hour event? Like they're going to get maybe 10 minutes a piece at best. It's going to yeah. be tough. Uh, I, and I'm not going to be able to watch either of these in real time because I'm going to be busy both of these nights. So I'm going to have to go back and watch them later. Oh, my God. Yes, I'll watch them. <laughs> I guess, uh, yes, you will. Uh, Sorry. Um, by myself. I'll get a buddy. Yeah. If anybody wants to come watch the debates with me, <laughs> let me know. You can FaceTime. You can if do you're a not here. Live, live stream. No. No? Okay. But, uh, no, I, I, you know interesting i mean we're so far out but they, they have to get started now and they have to try to whittle this field down but i don't i just don't know that debates matter that much except for people who need to get their name on the map and it's all like i who? disagree i think it matters a lot i'm not i mean i think elizabeth warren's my favorite right now she's the person i would vote for if the election was today same and i'm willing to i i, I it matters to me i, I want to watch what these people have to say i want to watch how they behave i want to watch them interact with each other. I want to see how this goes because I'm not completely sold. I mean, I think Elizabeth Warren is my pick, but I also, I'm not completely decided. And so for me, I want to see them debate. I don't know that John Delaney needs to be up there or Tim Ryan or Jay Inslee or, uh, you know, but also it's not for me to decide that. If people like those people, then let's listen to them talk. I think it's important. I, I don't know. You I think, think it you matters. You think, looking at the second night, it's interesting. You think Bennett and Hick are going to go after Bernie and yell socialist at him? Um, John Hickenlooper is incapable of being mad 
publicly about any or having like strong opinions about things. <laughs> so no, um, I think Bennett will cross his arms and try to sound impassioned like he did when he got a little bit famous for five minutes. Yeah. Um, about what? I don't know. Cause I don't know what his platform is. Um, I think mayor Pete will seem like the adults, but also so vague that we have no idea what he actually has plans to do. Well, um, you, well, there's my point though. Cause Biden is going to, I mean, Bernie is going to try to burn the whole stage down. Yes. He's going to try to light everybody on fire. He's going to go after Biden for sure, because Biden is who he sees as well, his primary opponent. He has to. Yeah. And you think Biden would either take the high road or want to go after Bernie. Now, Bernie and Biden have worked together in the Senate for a long time. So they, they'll probably say, oh, I, this is my friend, you know, I, we've worked together on important stuff. But, but you know, he's Bernie a, will criticize Obama era stuff and certainly early before he was vice president joe biden if he's smart well can i can i talk about this this reminder of like how much biden just you know pisses me off and Mm -hmm. why we thought biden was fine as a vp in that role but we were never in love with joe biden yep they they showed this clip in 2005 of elizabeth warren then i believe a state senator talking about this banking bill that was passed or about to be passed at the time and how it really fucks people with credit card debt and Biden has always been a shill for the banks because yep. he's in Delaware and they're all based out of Delaware yep. for tax reasons. Not just banks, but corporations generally. Yep. And Elizabeth Warren is, you know, making her case for why the bill sucks. And Biden is sort of trying to push back in a not very effective way. And and Warren, basically, she pantses him and, and he just sort of he does this Biden thing where he kind of laughs and he kind of gets this look, and he's like, oh, you're good, Senator. You're good. But just fucking con- patronizing, patronizing, condescending, condescending sexist. Oh. And she just has this look like, you're a condescending, sexist asshole. Yeah. And you, you, you got beat in the debate, so you just, you, you just uh, fell back to, well, oh, you're just some silly woman. Aren't you a, a sweet cute woman with opinions isn't right. that nice right and i'm the great senator biden so right what a, you made your point but lol right i mean then there was this week on the campaign trail because he just can't fucking stop i uh, met this 13 year old girl who had some substantive policy question to ask him and he looked at her and she had two brothers and he looked at her and he said are those your brothers and she said yes and he looked at them and he said your only job is to keep the boys away from her Oh, God. And when Elizabeth Warren uh, meets with young women, do you know what she says? She's be the, be the next me? Do you know what women do? Do you know what girls do? And they say what? And she says they run for president. Yeah. Right? And Kamala Harris gives them, like, leadership talks. And, like, and Joe Biden looks to her brother's. And says, keep the boys keep away. the boys away from her. Her literal only value is her relation to those men, and her sexual uh, purity. Purity, and also that that's her only value in the world. That's what Joe Biden thinks of young women. In 2019, this happened this week, and it's just like, yeah. And Greg and I have been arguing. Oh. I've been going back and forth on Biden a little bit. I think he's. I think Greg thinks that it's going to be Biden at the end of the day. And he doesn't, he's very sensitive to this idea of, of, of the, 
people who wouldn't be happy with that, you know, muddying the waters and burning it down like the Bernie people did. And he doesn't have to worry about that from us. If it's fucking Biden, we'll drag his fucking old sexist ass across the finish line and we'll do what we can. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, we got 20 choices here. Let's not just decide not to criticize Joe Biden for very criticizable things because he might be the candidate. Right. Let's try to not make him be the candidate first. Look, ultimately. And then if he is the candidate, fine. Yeah, we're not going to scream about the DNC and we're not going to do fart ins and put green tape over our mouths and talk about third parties and any of that bullshit. We're not going to do that. But you know what? I don't want him. We got better choices than Biden. We got, you know. I don't want him. I don't want him. I don't want him, and no. I, I, don't, I get a choice, and I get to say why I don't want him. Well, That's we, the whole fucking point of the primary lots system. Lots of choices, lots of choices. Back, you know, in 2016, essentially after a couple debates, we we had a binary choice, and the guy we chose lost, and then we had a candidate, and we had an evil fucking troll to defeat. And we couldn't get our shit together. And right. and some people are still tra- – we're traumatized from it. Yes. But you know what, right? <laughs> like the advantage to us having the clown car <laughs> this time around is that there's a lot of, you know, clowns to choose from. Yes. And it doesn't have to be the super the, – the old sexist guy. No. Okay? Can it not be, please? <laughs> we're gonna- please. And, and I and I still – and it's already starting. He's already starting to slip, you know, to against Warren and yeah. – like he's he's got so much time to just be Joe Biden. Yes, it's. I really and, hope that he's just Joe Biden for long enough that everyone's like, maybe we go with Liz. Well, it, it, you know, like maybe we go with her. Well, She's it's much a, it, it's like the Trump thing where the media gets very excited when he reads off a teleprompter and they think he's finally turned the corner for some reason, and it's like, no, he's still him. Right. Jo- Joe Biden has been on this earth almost eighty years. He's not going to wake up and reinvent himself tomorrow. No. He's just not. He will occasionally say the right things, and you know, he will occasionally do the right things. But then he's going to revert to what he is, and that is doing... Right. And look, if it's Joe Biden, let's be honest. I don't like him. I I mean, he's fine as a, like, just go away, and you're fine. But I also think that he will do a good job of surrounding himself with people that will make him enact good policies. And it will be far better than if it's any if it's fucking Trump. Well, or Pets, uh, yeah, right? obviously that goes without but saying. But we can do so much, so better. much better. People with a person who has their own ideas about good things that we could do, like I don't know Elizabeth Warren, um, who already has plans and thoughts and feelings about things that we should be doing, and doesn't have to rely on, you know, no, and the Democratic Party's appointees to their cabinet to tell them what to do, which is exactly what Joe Biden would do. And I think we need somebody that's maybe doesn't just take the Obama administration's cabinet and put it into this. Like, we don't need. We could do better. We could do better. Like, we could well, do, you know, I we're, under, we're not in 2008. I we're understand. I understand so. Greg's trepidation. You already have some people out there in like uh, woke hip comedy Twitter world, you know, saying, oh, Biden wouldn't be any better than Trump and trying oh, to lay, for fuck's sake. lay the groundwork to burn the world down. If it's not Bernie, pretty much is what they want. But like, you know. No, <laughs> but we, we're so far from having to have that conversation. Right. And I, and I truly happen to believe that, you know, this isn't a situation where had Hillary had another 10 strong opponents to deal with, she might not have made it all the way. Uh, she didn't, though. She had she had Bernie and she had a couple goofballs, you know, Webb and Chafee or right. O'Malley. And, right. And, you know, this is way, it's just a way different world this time around. It's a way different world in general, too. 
We're yes. just not the world. The literal, the literal world, world is different now. Not just now. the world of the primary. No, is very much the literal different. world is different now. And, and a lot of yeah. that has passed Joe Biden by. It just yep. has. Yep. You know. Yes. I read a thing the other day that said if you're over 45 and you don't have a mentor who's under 30, you're fucked. <laughs> and I was like, I think it's that true. might be true. Like I'm 36. And I'm constantly asking the young people in my life, like, what does this mean? What is this? What, what is, is that? that? How does this work? How is Be- this because happening? We can, we can put our nose up it and poo-poo it. But why are you mad about this? It's Tell me. Oh, you're right. Like, I'll ask them, like, why are we mad about this? And they're like, ugh. Because, like, they're so much more intersectional than even I am that they're like, God, don't say women. Say people who can have babies. Because tra- <laughs> And I'm like, right. Of yeah, course. Yep, yeah. You're right. I'm wrong. You're right. So Joe Biden needs somebody who's like, 12 (laughs) 25 40 60 i mean he needs he's just old old and set in his ways yes and yes all right uh when we come back we'll talk about some of the trump lunacy from this week and some other Mm. shit so uh stay tuned for that we'll be right back you wanted to yes talk about <laughs> i'll talk about birds for a minute oh it's different uh-huh i know um the denver zoo has a population of flamingos and this population of flamingos are lovely and two of them uh have been lovingly named freddie mercury and lance bass mm-hmm. are in a same-sex bird relationship <laughs> Freddie and Lance are in love. They've been together for a couple of years now. Oh, and sweet. they can't obviously make their own baby flamingos, but no. um, should another same sex bird couple um, not be able to care for their baby birds, Freddie and Lance are more than happy to step in. So, this heartwarming story was shared on our local news this week. Um, and it was just mostly met with, like, oh, that's adorable. And, like, what a cute name that they gave them. And then there was the backlash. To birds? Yeah. (sighs) Why are you forwarding your homosexual agenda with talking about birds? Birds aren't gay. Gay is bad. (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. And... They want the birds to have conversion therapy? What, I guess. What is their problem? I Don't talk about those gay birds. Are they gay birds against God, I guess? I don't know what what kind of homosexual agenda infiltrated Ugh. the flamingo population of the Denver Zoo, but apparently it got all the way there. 
and they're very upset about it. Who's very they? Angry. Like the Colorado Springs people? Um, I yes, Stephen and Daryl. Um, so this guy, uh, Kyle Clark, is on our local nine news station. Yeah, he's pretty. He good. does new now next. I like him. Yeah, and I, I hate got, local news generally, but he's okay. Yeah, he's pretty good. Um, and he's sort of like funny and doesn't like he he he's a millennial, right? So right. he's you know. Anyway, he he's read some hate mail that he got <laughs> out loud. If you're the kind of person that writes hate mail to your local news station, you know about you're, gay you're, birds. You know you're a gem to begin with. I mean, about gay flamingos. This is great. I didn't know anything about this. Oh yeah, can it's you can you read some of them? Amazing. Or yeah. So he said, um, this guy Stephen wrote in. I just watched the video. I, I don't have the transcript of it pulled up because I don't have yeah. the transcript of it at all. But well, you can paraphrase. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, this guy Stephen wrote in and was like, "This is despicable. This is why no one watches local news anymore." Um, except you know, for Stephen. Except for Steve, <laughs> I guess. Uh, Stephen watches it because um, you're pushing your homosexual agenda to nature, and uh-huh. um, and. And well, apparently nature's pushing the homosexual agenda, I mean, Stephen. These birds are just like they So Clark is like, I mean, if you're upset that these two male birds prefer each other's company over the company of female birds, like I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do with that. This other guy's like, um, if you would put your disgusting, vile lifestyle on a pair of birds, it's no wonder that your eyes look like black holes because of your the the nature of your soul is black and you're gonna go to hell and it's like wow he's like that look, escalated quickly look uh, yeah no I mean like all the way there right <laughs> and he's just like look y'all if you don't like same sex bird relationships don't be in a same sex bird relationship <laughs> um I don't know why we have to be talking about this but well this does go back a ways uh, to where you know a lot of um, biologists and and uh, zoologists like actually homosexuality is really prevalent throughout the animal kingdom yes uh, homosexual sex homosexual coupling like it is not very uncommon at all right it happens roughly about the same percentage as people do it right which lends when you use your common sense to put two together like this is kind of a natural thing it's yep. probably a natural means of population control or yep. something in our biology that there's a reason why some of us are attracted to the same sex. Or yes. With he, with humans, we're we're much more complicated with our brains and everything else. That you know, there's, right? But it, it flies in the face of this theory about gays. Yeah, that, yeah. That like, gays is wrong. It's a choice, and, and yeah. it's it's because you've been you know corrupted by the devil, and it's not God's right, will. Right. I, I don't think like, the flamingos. I don't think the flamingos know anything about God, <laughs> and I don't think that like the, I don't think they watch the Teletubbies. The, the right? Teletubbies didn't make them gay. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't, I just don't, I don't know. So, but it does, I mean, it really pisses them off because it's, it flies in the face of their belief that the natural way, right? Right. And only humans can be gay because, because they they've choose... been corrupted and they've chosen this yeah. lifestyle that is evil and Leviticus 2013, which I want to get into for a minute. Okay. Yeah. Why Segwaying not? Segwaying into, look, we talk about gay people and God, we've made a lot of strides and it's like the fastest advancing movement of, of civil rights in the world. And the reason for that is that Uh everyone already knew a gay person and didn't know it. That's right. And then when they found out they already knew a gay person, they were like, Oh, there are gay people that are just people that I already knew. And so people were like, it took a, it took 50 years, but eventually they were like, Oh yeah, no, I mean, 
And a big part of that John was was, gay. was their cousins and coworkers and yeah. neighbors coming out of the closet. They're right. And I mean, spouses. You and already kids. you had this idea of who a gay person was, right? Yes. And that could be this very othered thing because you didn't know anybody that was gay. Right. Because those were those terrible, creepy, weirdo perverts who had sex in the park. Right. And then you found out like literally my boss is gay, my son is gay, my cousin is gay. Yeah. My coworker's gay. Yeah. My niece is gay. And I love my them. My dad is gay. I've known them. They didn't become gay. They were always gay. They just told me they're gay. And now I'm like, oh, gay people are just like me. And I already yeah. love seven gay people. Right. Right. That was Harvey Milk's whole thing. Right. So that's wonderful. And it's 50 years of pride. This is the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. And um, that's great. And so we talk a lot about that. And I think sometimes we lose the um, the perspective on what it was like back then. And then this week, this video surfaced of this pastor in, what was it, Tennessee? Oh, right. Uh, oh, shit, where was he? I can look I it think up. he was Tennessee, yeah. Yeah. Was Tennessee. This pastor in Tennessee who happens to also be a deputy sheriff, so he's a cop. <laughs> he carries around a gun and a badge. And in his spare time, he's a pastor at this church. And they were recording this uh, sermon that he was giving. And he was talking about Leviticus 2013, which is the the portion of the Old Testament that people like him like to point out that God thinks that I'm an abomination and I should surely be dead. Right. And he talks about how, and this is a videotape that you can just watch, that this cop, who's also a pastor, says, um, it is the duty of civil government to enforce biblical law. It is the duty of police officers and the civil government to enforce biblical law. He suggests that pride would be a really good time to start doing that. And that we should have, let's get out the riot gear and the paddy wagons. And we'll go to Pride and we'll round them all up and then we'll try them. And if they are found guilty of being gay, we'll have mass executions and then we won't have to deal with it anymore. And he's a cop. Mm -hmm. So in the wake of this, uh, he was suspended from being a cop. Not just a cop, but deputy sheriff. So that's like. Tie up there. Yeah. It's in a position of leadership. Yes, correct. And you can say, well, in his spare time, he gets to say whatever he wants and freedom of speech and all of that. But if you're suggesting as a person who is in law enforcement, who has the ability to do something like this, right, that that's what you should be doing, that that's God's law, that's a problem. And this happened this week, right? This is not in 1950, or 1970. This is today. And the people that are listening to him are audibly clapping and wooting and and cheering. And they're, they're very down for this idea that we should round up all of the gays and execute them. Mm. And so, yes, we've made a lot of progress. And yes, I'm very happy about a lot of the things that have happened. And also, this shit is not over. It doesn't not exist. It's still out there. And oh, it's yeah. still as violent and hateful and bigoted and, and, and because, violent. And because it's as losing it power and losing Yeah. It's uh, escalating. It's it's escalating because yes. they you know they're Because it's, that's not the norm anymore. Slipping away. It's not the norm anymore and they don't know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. It used to be the norm that you could just call a fag a fag, right? Right. Beat him up a little bit, push him around. 
now you can't do that. And it makes them angry. That's right. So now they want to round us They're up. They're your boss or your coworker. Using or, yeah. the civil government to round up and execute gay people. It's not gone. Those people didn't go away and they didn't change their minds. A lot of people who didn't feel that way necessarily, but like definitely called a fag a fag. Now we're like, maybe we don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. But the, for the people who Leviticus 2013 is the thing that they believe in. And yet they still like, you know, eat shellfish and <laughs> play football. They let and wear clothes. They let handicapped people go to church. Yeah. Um, this is real for them. And this is what they believe. And it's dangerous. And it's why so many, um, hate crimes against gay folks are committed. So yeah. anyway, from yeah. gay birds to a crazy fucking pastor. Uh, yeah. Those guys that wrote in to Kyle Clark to be like, your eyes look like black holes because you talked about gay Why birds. don't you go move to Tennessee? Right. We'll or pack you a... Why don't you just... We'll buy you a one-way ticket. To exist. How about that? Because that's <laughs> what you want for me. Right. Anyway, so that's my tangent. Well, they will cease to exist in you know probably the next five, ten years. Cause, uh, right. I mean, I don't know anyone. I, don't, I just don't know anyone. One, and that's par- partly because I don't surround myself with anyone who would believe that, but even generationally, I just don't feel like those people are, like, prevalent, really, in Gen X or Millennials. Like, it's just not... They're around. They're, 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 they're a minority, for sure, in our generation. Right. But... I mean, it's like, maybe if you were, like, homeschooled and the Quiverfell folks and stuff like that, like, some of those really, like... Um, no, I mean, look, there's no people. doubt that there's people in our generation who harbor these views. I mean, we talked earlier about the women in the UK on the bus who were assaulted. That was by a group of like 15 yeah, to 18 year olds. Yep. So, you know, there's no doubt that, that there's some very awful people in our generation, but they are thankfully in a in- increasingly shrinking minority. Right. And I think that sort of violence wasn't really about them being gay as much like they don't want those women to be executed. That's I, more of a possibly. Um, that to me, that kind of behavior is more of a misogyny and incel kind of uh, sure. But thing. but you know what? To that point, Rachel, what if we it was the Handmaid's Tale tomorrow and those women were rounded up right. and executed? Do you think those hooligans would have any issue with that? No. They, and I want to point out something that's super important about this, which is that. For all the uh, cis white gays out there, gay men, um, who are sort of squicked out by women, which is a thing that sometimes happens, which is we can talk about. It's a problem. <laughs> um, homophobia is rooted in misogyny. Yeah. The reason that they hate gay men is because they remind them of women. Mm. Period. And Billy Porter, um, black actor who famously wore that beautiful tuxedo gown mm-hmm. and then recently at the Tony Awards wore this like uterus dress which was just tremendous mm-hmm. um, went on The View this week and talked about how wearing pants um, for women is no longer a thing that we don't care about. Pants are fine for women to wear but it didn't used to be that way because pants were seen as strong and powerful and part of the patriarchy. Pants were a thing that men wore. And so when you say to a man you can't wear a dress, what are you saying? And he was making the point that a man wearing a dress makes him like a woman, and that is what? Right? They hate women. So a man pretending to be like a woman or acting like a woman or being effeminate in any kind of way makes that man less valuable and dangerous 
because trend like homophobia is rooted in misogyny. Anything that makes you more like a woman makes them hate you. And Dan Savage has spoken really eloquently about this over the years as well. And that's something that we also have to remember is that it's all rooted in misogyny. Yeah. Right? It's all rooted in this idea that it's 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 threatening to your masculinity, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, enough gay stuff. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> there's never enough gay stuff. I mean, there's never. It's, it's pride. pride. <laughs> uh, so everybody's losing their mind. Well, for two things I want to talk about. First of all, uh, Trump is beating the war drums on Iran, and I don't think he really wants to go to war with Iran, but boy, is he being pushed by Pompeo and Bolton, and we might just get there, especially if Trump thinks, like, I'm so fucked as far as everything else goes with the election. I need everybody to rally around me for a war. Mm-hmm. Now, that would be a gross miscalculation, certainly politically. Yeah. Uh, nobody wants a fucking war with anybody right now. Nope, we're still in two of them. Yeah, and even your most conservative, like, you know, the hard hat wearing guy in in Youngstown, I like most of them are like they're they're done with war for a while. Like they'll they'll yeah. be they'll be back on it at some point, but right now not so much. They're over it. Even even like our dads are kinda like, nah, no, we don't need war right now. Yeah. My dad's sort of always been against war. Um Okay, fair. Because he was almost drafted. But most people's, cons- yeah, but most people's conservative dads are always kind of like ready to go to war with somebody, right? Right. I mean, we, yeah. And he's not completely opposed. Like, he's in a weird spot where it's like, America's the greatest military power on earth and we always But the, But the point is nobody really wants to go to war right now. Like, no. that whole batch of, like, the, the 9-11 fervor, neocon... Heartland conservative, we got to go to right fight with all the Arabs in, in war right. to protect ourselves. Like, everybody's kind of over that. Yes. Um, like, they don't want to do it. They don't want to send their kids off to the desert anymore. No. And, and we've, and I think in part it's because we're still there. Yeah. Since 2003. Yeah. It's the longest war ever. In American history. Now, yeah, John Bolton does want want his war. He's wanted it forever. And, you know, scrapping the Iran nuclear deal was part of the the plan to get us there. And it's it's not funny. It's just kind of fitting where, you know, Obama and those officials kind of said, like, you know, this deal we have in place keeps things keeps things from possibly escalating and stuff like you know, in the Gulf, uh, shenanigans happening with oil tankers. And, right. And, like, guess what just this happened This was a very reasoned policy that wasn't done flippantly. The mm-hmm. Iran nuclear deal was done with a lot of intention to prevent precisely what we're looking at today. Yeah. And potentially what could happen coming up. So, uh, the, the thing, okay. So, this tanker, a Japanese-owned oil tanker, hit a mine. Uh, apparently, well, that was the story, although they're claiming it was a missile. It's very unclear what happened, but right away, Pompeo jumped on the microphone and said, it's Iran, it's Iran, it's Iran, saber rattle, saber rattle, saber rattle. Trump's echoed that, and it's like... And Japan know, came back and was like, that's not what happened. Well, but I don't know not, not, not Japan, per se. The guy who owned the tanker that... Oh. that like said, it came from the air and not from the water, but yeah. that's unclear. We don't really know what happened. Yeah, we, we we really don't. And then there's grainy video that looks like it's a ship taking a mine off a ship, but we don't really know what that is or who that is or what that means. And 
you know, a lot of people drew that to the grainy footage that Colin Powell showed at the UN and said, ah, you see, it means Iraq has the WMDs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, people are like, wait, slow down. Right. What the fuck? Um, it's Trump has surrounded himself with people who want war. War. Right. They it. don't care what happened. And even scarier, like Bolton is just a war, is a hawk warmonger asshole. Pompeo is like a lunatic uh, book of revelations, end of days, nutcase. Yep. So good combo with an unstable, narcissistic, no-nothing president. Yeah, this is really good, right? This is a good situation that we find ourselves in. Right. And there's no caution. There's no let's find out the facts. It doesn't, like, they're like, I literally don't care if that thing hit an iceberg. I'm going to say that Iran bombed a thing so I can go in and have a war. I literally... Don't even care if we investigate. I don't care what the answer is. I don't care what the truth is. This is a perfect opportunity for us to go to fucking war. And this tanker that was hit, there's some connection with the Saudis. It, it's unclear, and the, and the media is doing a terrible job of explaining it all. Yeah. I think because they don't have much information either. But, like, the Saudis are somehow involved. Like, it was Saudi oil that the Japanese were moving or something. I'm not sure. But in any event, uh, and we know the Saudis would like a war with Iran. Um Remember, there's there's this the Sunni Shia thing that's been yep. going on forever is still yep. going on, and most people don't understand that. W didn't understand it. Trump certainly doesn't understand he it. Doesn't even know what those words. No, mean. there's no way he could explain you the difference right now. If he doesn't tried. even know that's a thing. No, but you know, he'd be I, like, "What are those? Is that like a food?" To give another primer in the Muslim world, you have the Saudi Arabia uh, groups like Al Qaeda, Bin Laden. Uh, ISIL, these are are Sunni Muslims, which is a sect of uh, Islam. And then you have Shia, which would be uh, the Iranians and and other groups in that that region. And they've been at each other's throats forever. Well, and this is tribal. Yes. Right? This is not by country or it's it's tribal back from forever. Well, countries are very weird there over too. Quote, Saudi Arabia is just this really rich family who sort of has a country-style compound and military weapons. Kegro talks about this all all the time. It's it's basically like the Corleone estate from The Godfather, except it's the size of a country. Right. Um, And they call themselves a nation. Right. And then you have... You know, Iraq, which was a former colony that was sort well, of drawn up. We, and it's the same thing we always come back to is colonialism, yeah, right? Yeah, Pakistan, which was partitioned from India. Right. Like, colonialism is bad for so many fucking reasons, but one of them is this exact thing, which is you had certain tribes in certain parts of the world that had their own specific boundaries. Yes. And then a bunch of fucking white people came in and said just arbitrarily defined things so that Belgian could have this part and you, you know, England could yeah. have this part and whatever. Yeah. Completely arbitrary of the tribal lines and it caused massive chaos because when you're trying to build a community and a country, um, you need people who share the same things. And when you right. have... And then to make matters much what worse... with Africa, it's white... There's yeah. so much turmoil in the world because of white people. And then to make matters much worse, then the invention of the combustion app engine happened and those areas are oil rich right so then right. I'm so not, then all of those interests yeah. are like much more heightened right and mm-hmm. then <sighs> but anyway if we go to war with iran or even ratchet up more towards war you know look for gas prices spiking you know how good that is for a sitting president um you, the more instability, you know instability in the region already where you know isis is we've, we've claimed much of 
back much of the land ISIS took, but it's not like they have disappeared. And that's probably another thing Trump is hoping for, a big terrorist attack on U.S. soil so that he can... Anything to rally the around the flag, thing. Right? Anything to rally around the flag. Yeah. And which I don't... Politically, I don't think much any, much of that would work in any event. But, like, he, you know, he he's... No matter what he bellows about, how the, the real polls show I'm winning by 50%, you know... Like, he knows he's in trouble, and he knows he needs something like a war or a terrorist attack or something for people to rally around. Yeah. So some crazy shit is going to happen. Yes. They're either going to manufacture it or they're going to let it happen. Um, and to that end, Trump has also garnered a lot of headlines where the other day, for some reason, he sat down for an interview with George Stephanopoulos. For uh, reasons I do not understand. For reasons understand. I don't understand. And Stephanopoulos grilled him on, like, well, basically he said, look, if the Russians come to you again with dirt on your opponent, would you take it? And he basically said, sure, why not? Yeah. <laughs> and so everybody... I'd look at it. Who wouldn't look at it? Of yeah. course I'd look at it. And would you call the FBI? Yeah, maybe, mm. maybe not. I don't why? know. I don't know. Yeah, and so, like, everybody lost their mind, you know, understandably, and... Because that's illegal. That That's... Well, not only is it illegal, <laughs> it's basically saying, like, I'm going to let 2016 happen again. And remember, remember, this all ties in. <laughs> People have been talking about, you know, Trump, we know Trump used foreign interference to win the election. And Democratic leadership was like, don't, don't, let's not talk about the I word. We have to wait for the Mueller report. Okay, the Mueller report comes out. It says he used, clearly used foreign in, in intervention and then tried to obstruct it. Well, impeachment is too divisive. Let's just wait for 2020. Well, now he's saying he's going to cheat again and use foreign influence to win again. Well, I don't know. I still don't want to impeach. And it's like, okay, well, what? Well, then What's what? the plan? What are, what are we doing? What are we doing? Like, it, the, the whole idea they were trying to sell us on for the last couple months is impeachment is really divisive. And we know we're going to win in 2020. We, we're going to win in 2020. So let's so, just win. And, and How do we win if the election is being tampered with by foreign governments? And it's not just going to be fucking Russia. A statement anybody. like that from the sitting U.S. president is means it's open fucking season on the U.S. election. So whoever they think will more, like, whatever their interests are. Do you want to destabilize the U.S.? Re-elect Trump. Do you want, I mean, a million things, Your right? personal business interests right. to be taken care of because that's how the country operates now? So our country now, our elections are not our own and will be controlled with, controlled by and tampered with by foreign governments. And we're just supposed to be like, well, I guess we'll win in 2020. And it's like, how? And what are we doing to make sure that doesn't happen? And like, I'm just, it's, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Well, we're still issuing subpoenas and, and we have committee meetings and we're, you know, it's like, no, we're going to go to court we, soon. We and need, that won't take forever because it never does. And that'll almost so assuredly fast. go our way. Right. right. Like, and, and then, okay. It, there's a court order that says Trump, you have to do this thing. And then Trump says no. And then what? Oh, Attorney General Barr, you go make him do that thing. Uh, no, I'm not going to. Then what? Right. The, then we're going to have the Capitol Police face off with the FBI. Like what? What? What then? I don't know. Civil war? We've basically lost one co-equal branch of government whose job is to be a check and balance on another co-equal branch of government. And we basically only have two now. We don't have Congress as a co-equal branch of government whose job is to be a check and balance on the other two. We don't have that. That's what we're saying is that the Congress is no longer doing that. 
I mean, I look. I, I mean, it, it's a constitutional crisis. Sometimes, sometimes the media can't see the forest through the trees, and there's there's this group that believes that Pelosi and Dem leadership is it's all just this very elaborate pat, winding path that they're going to get to the impeachment. Uh, you know, not too soon before the election, but at some point where everybody or enough of the American public is on board, it's all going to make sense. I don't see that. I think that's bullshit. Um, somebody needs to sit Nancy Pelosi down and say, okay, here's, here's the first thing. Well, he's just following her lead. He's in the minority. He doesn't really have any power. But, okay, first you said don't even talk about impeachment until we have the Mueller report. Yes, that's right. Okay, we got the Mueller report that said this and that. That's right. You still don't want to impeach. No, impeachment is too divisive. Uh, okay, so then what are we going to do? Well, we're just going to win in 2020. Okay, well, the president has just um, gone ahead and telegraphed that he's going to cheat again. You know the Senate's not going to do anything about it, and you know the DOJ's not going to do anything about it. So what is your actual plan? Uh, lose? Or vote? Or No, this is this is this is old school democratic thinking the american public will see how unreasonable the other side is behaving mm-hmm. and how lawless they're behaving and they will do the right moral thing and vote against it oh it yeah that's been working out great and it doesn't matter how they vote anymore if we're not going to do anything about election tampering and election fraud and 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 foreign interference voting no longer matters so even if a hundred percent of the American people vote for Democrats. We have no assurances at this point that that matters. I don't. I don't know what this is going to look like in twenty twenty, but I don't know that they know either, or that they're trying to find out, or that they're trying to do anything to make sure that that's not the outcome. Voting doesn't matter if we don't have elections that are secure. Or, or they're still under the belief that well, you know, Mitch McConnell, he'll do the right thing eventually. No, he will not ever do the right thing. <laughs> But well, I'm serious as how I'm serious about this, about this election fraud and election tampering and foreign interference in elections. Yes. You cannot be like we're going to win in 2020 because the American people are sick of it if people's votes are not secure and if we do not have tampering. If we have tampering by foreign governments and tampering of any kind with the elections, then 2020 doesn't fucking matter. But they're, they're already doing it. When Giuliani came back a couple weeks and said, hey, I've got all this dirt on Joe Biden and his kid, and it turned out to be mostly bullshit anyway, and the New York Times ran with it, of course, and hyperventilated and got really excited about it. It's like they're already doing it. Yeah. They're already doing it. So, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, and and I don't know what Dem leadership is doing. I don't know what the thought process is. None of it makes sense anymore. I think they're just, for some reason, the I word terrifies them. And they're under this belief that you've got, <laughs> let, let's just say, let's pretend that you take Republicans and you take Democrats out of the occasion, and it's really all about independence, Right. And right now you got a majority of independents it's, saying, well, I, I, is, yes. I, I know, but let's just let's just boil it down to the most simple election year thinking and say, you know what? It's just about these independents. And right now, independents are breaking almost 60, 40. They don't want Trump again. But the idea of impeachment turns off independents so much that out of spite, even though they don't like Trump and Trump is fucking up their farms and fucking them with tariffs and fucking their. Uh, you know, economically and fucking their health care. Oh, but impeach- impeachment is so nasty that I don't like that you did that, so I'm going to go ahead and vote for Trump anyway, and it's going to flip. And, like, that's what they believe. And then, like... Then we're in trouble. Th- we are in trouble. 
But because that's not happening. But you know what? It still is within our power to fucking beat down the doors of our representatives and said, we must impeach Donald Trump and we must safeguard our elections. Saying wait for 2020 is not a good enough option. And these endless subpoenas and court battles, which might not go our way and will take months and months and months is not good enough. Yep. It, you know, and that might not work, but you know what? It is in within our power to do that. We still have the addresses and phone numbers and email yep. addresses and town hall locations of our elected representatives. Yep. And we can't just let's let get them... 2017 on this ass. Like, let's just fucking tear down the doors, beat down the doors, call the phones, go to the town halls, stage protests, and be like, enough. Yeah. You have to do this because this is why I elected you. This is it. Period. Mm-hmm. Because if we don't, nothing will happen. Yeah. They they will try to coast. They will try to coast. You have to hold the people who are in power accountable. Yes. Even when they're the people that you voted for. An actual democracy is a very interactive system. When we held the people that were in power accountable before was easier to do because we hated them. Yeah. Right? You could call Cory Gardner 50 times a day because you fucking and, hate and him. And call him a wanker. Yeah. And call him out and tell him that you hate him and tell him what to do. And you could do that. And when we won back power in the House, that doesn't stop. If they are not doing what they need to be doing, then you have to hold them exactly as accountable as the Republicans who were in power in 2016 and 2017. And right now they're not doing what they need to be doing. They are not. And an impeachment inquiry doesn't necessarily mean even a vote to remove him from office. It means we get everybody on record and we get this on TV and we bring all this to light. We figure and, out what actually happened. And then if we do that and the American people are like, eh, eh whatever, I might not vote for Trump, but, uh, you know, let's I'm not that convinced that we, he needs to be removed from office. Fine. Fine. At least we know what happened. Yeah, at least we have at everything least we on did record. Something. That's right. And we held some we held some accountability, right? So that the next election isn't just a literal free for all that you could just buy it. And that's where we are right now. Yes. Where we are is that American elections are for sale and Republicans. If if you think that it's just Republicans that will benefit from that and that will use that and that like you are oh, out of your mind. Oh my god, no. It'll just be a bidding more. Yes. And it's not always going to benefit you. And then, of course, they'll howl about it. Oh, my God, we got us to safeguard our elections from foreign interference. Mm-hmm. This is terrible. Mm-hmm. But until that happens to them, they're just going to, you know, they're just going to uh, ride it. Yep. It'll like, mostly benefit Well, it, it helps us, so it's fine. All right. I want to read something really quick that doesn't have anything to do with this, but that um, I think it's really important to talk about. And I think it's a thing that we don't want to talk about because it's so awful. Okay. And it's about what's happening to uh, refugees and immigrants at the border um, and surrounding the border and their living conditions. Um, And I know that we talk about this sometimes and you you see the stories and you just sort of scroll past them because you're like, what can I do? It's just too awful. I don't know. I think we need to not look away. And that's the point of this woman, um, Elizabeth McLaughlin, who wrote this thread on Twitter. And it's um, gotten a lot of attention. And also, I think it's a thing that we should actually have to fucking face. So here's what's happening in our country. She says, I've just gotten off the phone with a friend who is a legal volunteer in Border Patrol facilities. Don't look away. 
My friend has done two tours now, volunteering as a legal advocate inside of CBP facilities. She passed along information about what is happening there that indicates that the Trump administration is violating every basic human right and is moving toward, quote, military solutions. So that folks understand the process, CBP has outposts on the border. Refugees seeking asylum travel hundreds of miles on foot, including with infants and small children, and turn themselves in at these outposts on foot. Here's, what's happen here's what happens next. Don't look away. CBP then transfers these human beings to a facility called the Dog Pound. Here my friend started crying. The Dog Pound is comprised of cages outside and on dirt with no protection from the elements. Don't look away. There are dozens of teen moms there. There is no baby food. While there, my friend saw a CBP agent take a baby away from her teenage mother, strip the baby of its clothes, hand the baby back to the mother, and send them outside to the dog pound to sleep in the dirt. The dog pound has no running water, no covers, no tarp, no care, no safety from the elements. It is freezing at night and deathly hot during the day. Everyone is sick. My friend said she saw a baby on this trip that was so sick, quote, I thought it would be dead by morning. Toddlers in the dog pound who had been eating solid food are given only infant formula. Some mothers are trying to start breastfeeding again so their children don't starve. These moms are dehydrated, sick, and have walked miles through desert with no water. CBP gives them nothing. It gets worse. Don't look away. From the dog pound, these human beings are moved to an area called the freezer. The freezer is kept at 55 degrees. Some of the refugees who are moved there are still wet from their journey and are put into the freezer wet. CBP is keeping human beings in the freezer for weeks at a time, weeks, including critically ill people, disabled people, sick children, teenage mothers with babies. The floor of the freezer is made of dirt or very rough concrete. There are no beds. Keep reading. From the freezer, refugees are supposed to be moved to ICE facilities that are designed for residential care. They have beds, food, and bathrooms. However, those facilities are empty. ICE is shutting them down. Don't look away. What our government is doing instead is moving refugees to military installations. The announcement about Fort Sill which was used as a Japanese internment camp is only the start. So why would our government be doing this? Here's why. These concentration camps, let's call them what they are, will be under the control of the Department of Homeland Security, but within the Department of Defense. Unlike ICE facilities, which allow site inspectors inside, there will, no be, no, there will be no inspection of military-run camps. The military will be able to deny, deny access to anyone it chooses, no media, no oversight. Lawyers will not be allowed in. Human right monitors will not be allowed in. The camps will also be protected airspace, meaning that no drones can fly over them to take pictures of what's going on inside. The Trump administration will be able to conduct itself in whatever way it wants to without anyone knowing what's going on inside. Think about what that means. Think about why they would want that. This is happening right now. ICE facilities with beds and food are empty because the Trump administration is moving refugees into military-run concentration camps where they can do anything they choose without oversight, media scrutiny, or advocate access. 
This administration is already committing atrocities at CBP facilities. Border Patrol agents at the facilities where my friend was working refer to these human beings as bodies. Not people, bodies. They are denying medicine, toilets, bed, food, shelter, and clothes. My friend said that Flores is on very tenuous ground. We're days away from being met with, we're not going to let you in no matter what. What is coming is crimes against humanity. America is already perpetrating mass human rights violations, and this administration is setting it up so they can do far worse in secret under military supervision. Military forces are already been shifted to CBP. My friend saw Coast Guard agents working for CBP at this facility. If we do nothing, there will be blood on our hands. If Pelosi does nothing, there will be blood on her hands and the hands of every Democrat who refuses to act to end this administration's reign. Fascism is here. If this enrages you, devastates you, frightens you, share this thread. Then call your member of Congress and read it to them. Then call Speaker Pelosi and ask why she sits silently by as our government does this. We're on a fast train to hell. There's only one way to stop it. Trump must be removed from power immediately by any legal means using every weapon in our arsenal. This is where we are. This is who we are. Look reality in the face. Don't look away. Fight like human life depends on it. It does. It does. It does. All right. So on that note, uh, I've been Travis. I'm Rachel. And uh, irreverent duo on Twitter, irreverent testimony at gmail.com. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Stay active, uh, stay in tune, stay engaged. Please do. More now, more than ever. All right, buddy.